start for both of us. Uh, I tell you why I'm not ready, even though okay. we're now recording is, uh, I don't know how to be, I know how to, I want to talk about this, the movies in this episode a lot, but I don't know how to start it. Why don't you start by talking about I'll start. I, 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 I have a good place. To, I have a good okay, start go place, I think. Start. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, so, uh, movies we're looking at today, uh, just, just a little bit of a deep sort of a dive into, uh, I guess like the pre Finley zone here for a bit. Cause you and I were talking about movies that we saw, um, you know, via my dad or, you know, the guy who sort of uh, started the passion for that, uh, his collection, uh, of VHS movies, which we used to watch. But mm-hmm. the truth is, is that I think that those are the, his collection of VHS movies was a symptom of a deeper, uh, like a deeper thing for that man. Wait, wait, wait. A, what do you mean a deeper thing? Well, like, I'm, like, like, like maybe an OCD thing. I don't know. But, um, like, because for years before the VHS, the VCS, uh, VCR came out, yep. he was he was audio taping movies. Oh, yeah. I remember. He taught and me that stuff. He would audio tape movies. Yep. Um, and he was also, like, I don't know. There was something about the media, like the sound and the visual that he was always super fascinated in. Like, was, you know, his record collection is one thing, his music. Uh, it's audio taping uh, movies. But he also was a huge fan of the 8mm film. Like, he had a camera and uh, he captured, he brought it to all the family events and he would always yep. capture, he'd capture a butt. So, uh, concurrent with that, of course, he had uh, a projector. Of, mm-hmm. of, yep. of uh, a projector, eight millimeter projector. Now, uh, just down from where we lived, like when we lived in Daly City, uh, he did, uh, and I, of course, had visitation rights. Um, he would go down to the library, and they had a section where they would rent out eight millimeter clip shorts of longer movies. I remember that library, and I remember that uh, section of the yeah, library. Yeah, well, because I think you did it too later on, right? When we were living in the same neighborhood. Well, I did a lot of the same things and, and just, just, you know, so I don't interrupt, I don't want to interrupt the flow of your story, but, but there were a couple of things that you, you went by really quickly, maybe because you thought they were no interest to the audience, but I revel in our audience's lack of interest in what we're saying. So I just want to like a couple of things that whole audio thing. I don't know if you did that, but I saw him doing that and totally aped what he was doing. So first of all, he gave me a couple of, of cassettes of movies he'd made audio files mm-hmm. for it, this is a reason I really I really should have been encouraged by my parents to go to film school and become an editor because I would take your dad's lead so I would take a 2 hour movie as your dad did record it like with a microphone up to the up to the fucking TV and then and then dub it and try to turn a 2 hour movie into a 1 hour essentially radio play so you had to make he taught me this you had to make all these decisions about how do you cut the visual elements out and still maintain a story so that you could have what do you, what's going on over there uh, keep going, man. Finish your story, dude. Yeah. So he. So, I've known you for what forty nine years. This would be like this would be like knowing somebody fifty years ago. Oh, by the way, I used to kill hookers. I've never heard of this. I've told you I this did a million not times. Know you did this. I, you just don't listen to me. I I used to and and so oh, I. <laughs> so it was I remember, easy. You, I remember you making like mixtapes and things like that. No, no, no. That. I would make mixtapes. True. I would do. I would also make mixtapes off of audio stuff. That's another thing. I didn't learn this from your dad, but I was inspired. I'd make like. Um, I would take like a, a a movie. Okay, so I would take Petrified Forest, and I would take the clip um, where Humphrey Bogart is about to kill someone in Petrified Forest, and he says, "Step up that radio, fat." And I would put that clip in, and then the next song would be Rush's "Spirit of the Radio." Or I would <laughs> I would take um, 
I would take a clip from a Cheech and Song album and it'd be like, my next witness um, uh, will testify. And then it would be Metallica. Like, I got something to say. I count you out, baby, today. And so that's one thing I did. But I would also do the radio plays. So I would do movies that your dad was not into, too, which helped. I would do Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, The Great Escape, um, The Odd Couple. I would, I would have The Master, which is like two to two and a half hours, let's say. And then how do I cut this down to a, always 60 minutes? So that not only were you cutting out all the visuals, but you'd have all the, um, how do you make the, the, the plot still distinct to the listener? And then on top of it, I got so good at it, I'd figure out how do you do it in like two acts? So that by the time the 30, 30 minutes was over on the one side, you're sort of transitioning to like the, the, the whatever you call it, denouement, the story or what, I didn't know the terms back then. And it's like, fuck, I spent all that time doing that. All my parents ever told me was like, are you going to do something useful? Learn something useful where you could. And it's like, what you should have been telling me was, hey, you should go to film school. But my parents were fucking bozos. And anyway, so that's exactly the kind of weird teenage nerd off thing that could have possibly turned into an amazing profession. Later. Oh, yeah. And I was and you could tell the story later. I would go to bed um, yeah. my, you know, as a virginal 14 and 15 year old listening to a one hour version I'd cut down of advice and consent. <laughs> <laughs> that, I actually had that one. That was a tough one. Two hours and 20 minutes down to 60 oh. minutes. God, and still yeah, maintain yeah, the, and, the political intrigue that was Otto Preminger. I mean, come on. What are you guys doing at the prom? Prom. Boo. <laughs> it's amazing. Sorry. So so that I just I wanted to pause it because your dad, you know, and you're right. He, and and the, the fucking films, those those eight millimeter films that he would himself record first soundless. And then, yeah, and, then, sound, yeah, yeah. and then he had the ones with the sound later on. But it was like family events. But he had events going back to like fucking my mom's first communion stuff so he was a yeah he's another guy who missed yeah. his opportunity to be a lot of things probably but make something in the film industry would have been wild anyway so so there's something about there i think there's something about like the performative aspect certainly music and stuff like that like i knew he was uh, i heard a story about him like as a five-year-old standing behind a door and like singing through it because it felt like he was on radio when he did that yeah, well, yeah, he taught himself drums and, and yeah, piano. Yeah, Finley yeah. number one. Interesting man, interesting man. Finley number one is But one badass. of the things that, uh, Jesus, now, now, now this story is fucking blows. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. But, uh, but uh, so one of the movies that he would often rent, and it was kind of a kind of a movie, like a favorite of ours, Yeah, uh, was pretty much the first movie we're going to be talking about today. Oh, I thought it was the second movie. I thought we were doing them chronologically. But we can do well, that. I think the, 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 the ones we assembled on came out in the same year, and I think the the one the, the, the giant claw I think came out first. It came out second, but that's okay. Let's do let's do the giant claw, nineteen fifty seven. Yeah, let's do the giant claw, nineteen fifty seven. Oh, yeah, that changes so, how so I want to talk about the these. Movies. What's that? That changes how I want to talk about these. Ah, oh, okay, oh, go ahead, no, go ahead. Well, giant claw, nineteen fifty seven, no problem. Dude, I, they took the giant claw and they made it. I think it was like eight minutes or ten minutes or something like that. And we would watch this thing, yeah. and fucking, we all. I mean, we just loved the shit out of this. Yeah. Such, and I, get to, I what I want to say is, uh, this movie's so much better at eight minutes than the actual movie itself. Yeah. It's so much more enjoyable because all it is is just that fucking bird. But um, well, the, I mean, let's uh, talk about the, the guy, movie. right? The guy is What's that? the director we're, we're focusing on for the two films is Fred Sears. Oh, Fred Sears, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fred the Sears. work of Fred Sears. Yeah, and I think uh, my 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 uh, little little bit of investigating I did on Fred Sears lets me know that he was 
uh, one of the hack, one of the best hack, one of the one of the most effective hack directors on yeah. Poverty Row uh, movies. Yeah, po- that's a day. great phrase because I don't know that it's technically Poverty Row, but that because we did that episode on Poverty Row uh, producers in the thirties, twenties, and thirties, and it has that feel, and it definitely was. He was the fucking whipping boy of of that. Yeah, you know, I mean, he had like the stereo, like the, the all the terrible stereotypes of the cheap uh, producer uh, that he worked specifically with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stand something or other. Yeah, wasn't that wasn't that Universal? No, uh, Columbia. Columbia. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, he worked at Columbia, and Columbia was Columbia had a lot of different divisions, and some of them were definitely the B movie division, which was big, and this was definitely part of that. And I would say this guy was probably like kind of the, he had like that knack for getting a movie in inside of whatever what the, whatever your budget, whatever your time frame, he could do that thing, right? There was even like he had been a I, I, I even read a story where he had been a in, in some movies himself as an actor early on, and he revisited yeah. the 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 footage from those movies yeah. for a whole new movie, and he had to dress up in costume so he could he could match like some of the action <laughs> of the movie. Yeah, he, yeah, which he's was a real, for him like fifteen years before. Real, uh, what do you call it? DYI. What the actual fuck? Like, yeah. That's amazing. Well, another thing, I mean, too, he died in the ba- in the bathroom of his office working. I mean, he's a real fucking work guy. But also, yeah. like, um, he fucking, I forgot what I was going to say. The other, th- Oh, it was remarkable that his beginning was he was a dialogue guy. Before he yes. was an actor or a director, he was a dialogue guy. And that, as I mean, I think it's worth talking about at some point, amazing mm-hmm. I, that he worked in, in dialogue oh. at all. Should we, talk about, should, we, should we talk about the first movie? Yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, well, I'll say this. When you suggested the um, the giant claw, um, I think it's important to note that I started the movie and was well into the movie thinking that the giant claw was mechanical, that it was just like a, an alien thing. Well, I mean, it is in a way, but but I mean that that it was like a mechanical claw from the sky, so, because for <laughs> almost half of this, like, awesome. <laughs> almost half of this movie, it's not it's not revealed exactly what the claw is. And mm-hmm. except to say that the claw is also that guy, yeah. Is what? Fucking the French guy. I fucking love that guy. I don't know what you're saying. Lacanya. What's Lacanya? The the the, the, bat, the the French the Cubans oh, oh, oh. one. Did you watch the movie, dude? Seriously. I did. Sorry, sorry. I I didn't. I, I is that a piece of dialogue? I probably didn't. Yeah, I probably didn't put enough horrible French. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know how to do it. Right yeah. Now. No, I apologize. Yeah, I, I just didn't quite get the reference, but it's clear now. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing is, see, this is. I'll try to reverse my thinking because I thought we we're going to do the other, the other movie first. I will say this about the movie. Um, it's to me, it's. I liked it a lot until it was revealed what the what the claw was, uh-huh. and, and then I liked it in a different way. But it's almost like I liked <laughs> two small movies and for yeah. very very different reasons, because the the first part of this movie is is really just about um, UFOs and 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 a guy and a, and a I, not a pilot an engineer who's for some reason a, doing pilot you know electrical engineer extraordinary I guess who's also a great pilot always a, a pilot a man pilot yeah has um, a jaw like you wouldn't fucking believe uh, has, yeah. has a radio voice like a motherfucker yeah and uh, and is so casually sexist it's uh, comfortably hilarious I'm <laughs> so casually sexist I didn't even catch that frankly but 
But I mean, he 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 sort of sees. I'm putting quotes around that things that no one else sees because he's he, everyone thinks he's kind of bullshitting for a while about these. I, for some reason, they keep attributing it to like enough of your practical jokes, buddy. You know, that's the last time. Well, the second to the last time we send you up in an air <laughs> in an airplane doing important work because you keep. Uh, making us spend an extra million dollars sending up fighter jets when there's nothing there. Uh, what if it went missing? Oh, hold on. <laughs> but there's this explanation. I mean, but again, I don't want to reveal uh, what it is until you want to. Um, an explanation for kind of like why we understand why it is that no one can see or, or the thing, the UFO doesn't actually show up on radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a long sort of, um, I, I would say this. Given how poor um, an understanding I have of science, um, I was strung along for a little while about the reversal of of, uh, yes. <laughs> of atom <laughs> properties and antimatter. Um, I, I, think, I, I think this movie definitely calls for a nickel, <laughs> just in case that you get through a science explanation. No, no, I mean, it's sort of, I mean, it, it tries, but it's sort of like what you go through all that trouble, and even I know that some of the stuff is very basically wrong, <laughs> even from a 1950s friends, point of view. It's like very this well known. This movie moved along by vague science. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like it's crazy. Uh, science tells us, and then it says something that, like, well, even I know that's not true. I mean, that's just kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, he has this this um, uh, girl Friday, um, and and then, uh, well, what is it? By the way, she's also one of the world's foremost experts in something, and uh, just it's overall, oh, fuck me, I don't. This movie is so hard to know where to start. Uh, it's so fucking weird. It, it is essentially two movies. My now, my understanding. Let's talk a little bit about the bird, okay? Because I think that's an important. Well, reveal thing. that there is a bird. I mean, you've said it twice, but now, but let's just reveal there. Okay, yeah, the, the UFO giant claw is a bird. Is a giant. <laughs> Is uh, is a giant uh, space uh, turkey buzzard? Yeah, uh, who looks like the buzzard from Warner Brothers and uh, Steven Tyler came, got together and had a baby. It's very clearly uh, ahead of its time nose. in terms of the dark crystal. I frankly think. Oh, that's nice. It's that's got some the, dark crystal. Yeah, <laughs> but, but this thing is amazing. Now, <laughs> uh, and it's hilarious. It's so fucking bad. It's uh, the, the 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 monster for this movie is so bad. That that's the one of the most famous things about this movie is how bad that monster is. Yeah. Uh, my, now I sorry. I just agreed. Yes. Oh no. Uh, so my understanding uh, there uh, there are a couple of different things I heard about that. One is that the um, they were supposed to get Ray Harryhausen to come in and do their do their giant monster and animation. We, we remember for this movie. that from our our Patreon episode on Jason and the Argonauts. Jason, oh, love the Harryhausen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Harryhausen. Man was, a, was like a genius of his day, but for yeah. some reason that deal fell through. And I think the deal was that they wanted to pay less than $50. So <laughs> they ended up uh, outsourcing it to a special effects video in Mexico City. Mexico, uh, okay, and, yeah. Yeah, Mexico City. And, uh, that they, uh, and, and this was the result. They didn't get it until it was time to splice the movie and release it. Yeah, and, and subsequently they did, and that the 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 actor, the lead actor, um, was Morris uh, Morrow is his name, uh, had no idea. None of them had any idea what the fucking monster in this movie looked like. Oh, okay. And the, uh, the lead actor apparently uh, went to the premiere of it and yeah. then like snuck out under his raincoat. Oh yeah, so, the bear showed up. Yeah, it is legendarily awful. I mean, you know, the bird also, besides the dark crystal thing, also reminds me of um, the bird monster and other characters from like the Rudolph um, claymation series. It's got that sort of like 
um, quality about its movement, a little bit like the Abominable Snowman from the Rudolph thing. It's a little... Right, right? Unless, unless you can obviously tell that it's fucking, it's a marionette. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many above it with the with the goddamn strings. And it's no the, uh, the things around that are no better because there's a lot of airplane going down scenes, and oh, they are yeah. insane. I mean, they <laughs> are just amazing. clearly a model with a, like a match at the end of it or something. That's my favorite. My favorite sequence in the entire movie is they apparently they have no idea. Radar can't spot this thing. They don't know yeah. what's going on. Antimatter. Antimatter. What's that? Antimatter. Oh yes, well antimatter comes into it. But uh, but so they have like weather balloons and they and apparently they've been filming off of weather balloons for some goddamn reason. Yeah. And so they show like a like a frame by frame of the of the giant claw approaching it. Yeah. And then like you see and it just keeps getting it gets bigger and bigger and then it's halfway off camera the other direction and then like the next one is like a selfie. <laughs> a selfie of the yeah of the bird sort of staring down the camera. It's got a few staring the, down the barrel shots of that bird. Who has quite a personality. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, our last episode was, um, what the fuck was it called? What was the movie we did that I hated? Oh, uh, that one. Oh, uh, Learning Tree. Yeah, The Learning Tree. Um, So I guess it's, it's, you know, a little bit of that return of that conversation about bad, bad as good or whatever. The thing about this, the, the reason I enjoyed this movie a lot less than the other one, by the way. A lot less than the other one, but the reason I enjoyed this movie and the other one at all um, is because I could I could engage in the bad as good, the corny as good, because mm-hmm. there's no expectation. I don't know what to do with a learning tree when it's like a, <laughs> a, an awful movie that's about civil rights. It's like, oh, wow, they, they really messed that lynching up. Ha ha. I mean, there's <laughs> the nothing you can really, is palpable, yeah. yeah, but this one, it's sort of like the, the all that's on the table is is you know a, the giant claw, <laughs> which yeah. is so. Absurd. No, no. So, so now understand, like the uh, the, the, the that eight millimeter movie clip I was talking about. Yeah, basically <laughs> just the like close ups, just the claw going to town on planes. You're talking about that's the, fucking all it was. The the kind of condensed version your dad got from the library. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just that, and so watching that bird like you know lose his fucking mind around a bunch of like obvious you know airplanes on string. Yeah, it was funny as shit. So love that thing now. I saw it, I want to say about eight years ago, ten years ago. I went to some irony-infused fucking uh, movie, you know, uh, you know, movies, bad movies from the past festival or something yep. like that in Oakland. And uh, mm-hmm. and watched this, and it was, uh, let me tell you, this is one of those very, very, this is a movie that's absolutely served by the small screen. Because when it's on a big, it was horrible watching it on a big screen. It was like an unbearable experience. Yeah. Watching it again for us, which I did on my computer, yeah. much more manageable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just much more manageable. It's there's something extra insulting about that bird on a huge screen. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I want to go the dialogue, and we haven't even talked about that the dialogue or the acting or any of that. Oh, the dialogue. I mean, one of my favorite parts is when our protagonist, you know, um, the the woman he's with, they're having a bit of a romance, or he's trying to put a move on her, and they're having some back and forth diet like witty uh, repartee, which is just fucking terrible. This extended and tortured metaphor about sports. They're on a plane, and then suddenly he gets the classic sort of like double take, like "What did you say?" It's going to like open up these new ideas, and and he goes, uh, <laughs> "Bird, yeah, yeah, bird, wait, nest, eggs." And it's sort of like, you know, dun, 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 let's go get the eggs. And that scene where they take 
themselves. They don't tell the army or anything. They go track down the the, the giant claw's nest to to destroy um, the eggs before they hatch. And apparently the eggs were Cadbury eggs because they start shooting them and like liquid, you know, like milk starts pouring out the side of them. And then this is when your French guy, you know, he's got it. <laughs> that guy died, yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, somebody, somebody who wrote that movie hated French, uh, French immigrants. That's all I'm saying. Well, I mean, was there a really a, when, when when did the first American movie appear where a French guy was anything but kind of silly? Anyway, even Hogan's Hero had um, the you like the Applejack. <laughs> this guy was fucking amazing. Hogan's Hero, the one guy who had actually been in a concentration camp, was Frenchy Lebeau. Lebeau. I mean, it's we kind of have a love affair with that, I guess, but. Um, yeah, and and um, uh, oh, sorry, I forgot where I was at. Anyway, yeah, the the the, the dialogue the, is terrible. The no, that's it. I mean, just the dialogue is is pretty pretty uh, rotten. First off, first, I, I had to say this: like, it's okay. So these are uh, scientists and generals who are dealing with a supposedly dealing with a world crisis, yeah. and nobody, nobody does not talk in snappy patter. Oh yeah. The entire fucking time. It's like so tedious. Yeah. <laughs> How clever everybody is just falling short of being. It's amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. This <laughs> movie was, mean, was definitely the lesser of the two. I mean, I found it amusing, but because I watched both of Fred Sears movies today, uh, I, I got it. I kind of, by oh the time God. I reached this Poor one, Patrick. the second one, I, I had kind of gotten my fill of, you know, cornball hilarity, you know, the failure as something interesting. Um, film, but um, this film does no harm. <laughs> so I have to say, I haven't watched it three times. Well, like multiple times as a child, but calling it three, uh, it was great, and then it was terrible, and then it was it was terrible. It was just not. It's just it's just a, not a good movie. Yeah, it's the problem. <clears throat> Whenever we're ready to talk about this, this now, I guess the second movie. I, I, in talking about the second movie, I, I think I can point to why this this movie, The Giant Claw, was um, kind of failed. Mm-hmm. So, but but I, I leave it to you because I have nothing more to say about The Giant Claw. But I'm willing to listen. Oh, well, I don't I don't know what to say. Well, let's talk, one of the thing, Okay, just one other thing I want to mention about this thing was, yeah. and I mentioned, I alluded to it before. This is true in both movies, and probably more so the second movie. Uh, but both movies First purport movie. to have like a strong female character, and uh, they're fucking terrible. <laughs> they're just. It's just it's just like kind of an appalling amount of sexism, and whoever wrote the movie is is just generated at him. It, 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 but but to the point where it's like it's like borderline of funny. Like it was it was pretty funny. Some of the time. what was it's it? Like, yes, yeah, so I'm a doctor of doctorology, but I brought coffee and sandwiches. You know? Okay, lady. Uh, I didn't catch it. I mean, I, I caught one line from the, the, the... If you missed it, I don't blame you. There's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I was just distracted by the giant claw. Uh, <laughs> that's actually, that was the first thing I wanted to say about um, this, the second movie, I guess, which is The Night... Well, subtly titled. The Night the World Exploded. <laughs> um, also by Fred Sears. Um, yes. And that is, I mean, one of the first things I wrote down is, is that, you know, his assistant basically says um, uh, to a third party, um, a girl can't work forever. Like, just with no context. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay. There's, that's a, the kind of the sexism I caught. But I actually found her kind of interesting. I found the actress probably the best actor who played that woman. In, in, in both movies. In both movies. 
Um, the thing I'm going to say about the, the reason I think that she so deserved a better part. The night the world exploded is a better film uh, than the giant claw, and and probably than a lot of of failed um, horror movies from this time is. I think sometimes the best horror movies are the ones where you don't really see or know about the the threat. I mean, I shouldn't say know about it. You you don't actually sort of encounter the threat. So it's like you know the fog or something. But when you're obliged to have like a, a, a you know a manifestation like the claw, the bird, the monster, it's like you're really putting a risk. You know, put throwing the dice on the table because it's like that thing As could be laughable. It's maybe the finest illustration of that point, isn't it? Yeah. And the, 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 the night the earth exploded is it, it's ridiculous in its own way, but it's also yeah. like, um, I mean the manifestation ultimately we'll talk about is kind of, is pretty silly too, but it's also like, because it's geology, it's sort of like, ah, now we're in the sort of the, ter- the terrain that, that we've gone on with, which is like, you know, volcano or, you know, whatever it is. It, seems like a, it almost seems like a, like a challenge for a writing exercise or something like that. Find something in nature that is innocuous and turn it into a, a monster of some kind. Yeah, in a way. And it's, it's kind of ahead of its time and kind of behind. You know, it's got the same sort of problems with science that the other one has. But because it's geology, I think fewer people know about it. And so it's kind of interesting. You know, the premise is this, this scientist who has essentially a, a Richter scale. Or, I mean, something that can predict earthquakes, which a Richter scale can do. It not only measures it, but predicts it, right? And it's like, well, this will be interesting because then we could see, like, that rocks, you know, deep beneath the Earth's surface grind against each other. And, like, he, he basically talks about plate tectonics, but it's sort of like in, in some 1957 way that, that's palatable to the audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, and, and so um, I, there were very laughable moments, but but you had to think about them a second longer than you did with the giant claw. So, for instance, <laughs> right. there's a sort of like ongoing you know set of earthquakes that are going to destroy the world. They don't know what's causing it, but they do know this: the Earth has now shifted an additional three degrees off the Alpha's axis. Uh, by the way, the Earth would fucking shrivel into a cinder had that happened, and then it's like five more degrees. Now we're just like eight degrees off our axis somehow. Measured. Right, and our, and our gravity is somehow shifting. I got I, I called that out of there, too. Because after the axis would shift eight degrees, they, they apparently not understanding that all things are relative would say that the, that the soil had also shifted. But that's not how that would even work in the most sort of rudimentary sense of things. If the axis shifted, the, the, the soil wouldn't right. <laughs> shift separately from it. Um, but but these are sort of like the fact that you have to sort of word problem your way through that mistake <laughs> is is kind of in its favor. And so accidentally, I think this is a, a, a better movie. But still, Fred Sears has to try to make it a bad movie. And one of the ways he succeeds is by like, here's a dis- here, let's show some footage of a destruction of the earthquake. And it's like the Allied bombing of like uh, you know. <laughs> Like <laughs> Dresden or something, and it's like, wait, that stock footage doesn't match what an earthquake would be at all. Right, right. I like. I also love the fact that the African. Um, it's. I think. I think Fred Sears had a type as far as his leading men. He wanted a very specific kind of guy, and he got him for both yeah. of these movies because they're damn near twins of each other. Twinsy. Lantern John, dark haired. He men with voices like fucking Troy McClure. <laughs> <laughs> this is Troy McClure. McClure. For the night, we're you bringing you the righteous wrath of the United States. Like just nuts. 
Yeah. Well, well, so, so, I mean, there, then to me, it branches off like the, on the negative side is like the manifestation isn't as bad as the, the giant claw, but it is a rock that grows. Yes. Movie magic. And, um, the cure is water. Right. Like the anti-Gremlin film in some way. But, but one of the things I liked about the film I gave it credit for is even as corny as it was, this film tried to be philosophical. You know, could this, you know, the woman says at one point, could this be the earth exacting its revenge on our misuse of resources? And it's like, wait, what, how the fuck did that slip in there in this 1957 film? And it's constantly. I think what the response was, I think you're being hysterical, honey. But no, yeah. yeah, I know. But seriously, he, <laughs> he ponders it. And, and everyone except the people who wouldn't, which would be like military leaders, et cetera, are, they're all slow to realize that this is, there's some sort of like um, pendulum that's swinging here. And so it's like, yeah, it's clumsy as fuck, but I give this movie credit for trying to be interesting about right. what's happening. I think, uh, I, yeah, I do too, but I, I have to say, I honestly suspect that they thought they were being educational more than interesting. But they were being philosophically educational. Yeah. I mean, in, in some weird way, they share Rachel Carson's point of view about the world. <laughs> <laughs> but they sort of illustrate it through um, rocks that grow and blow up. Yeah, I, yeah, and they're all the, over, and they're coming out like zits on the planet. Yeah, there's and water fixes them. And yeah, okay. I mean, I grant you that. But I, <laughs> no, no, I'm really not. I'm just like that's. A, I think that's a reasonably accurate synopsis of the absolutely movie. the crisis of the movie and its fix. Yeah, there's nothing you said that's wrong, and and for some reason, I. I um, I mean, they're they're they are bad movies, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked this one and sort of liked the other one. Right. I don't okay. know why. It, what it is about this genre? Just enjoyable like, trash. Yeah, I guess part of it is. I guess it's twofold. If you're not trying to do something, despite what I said here about the philosophy, if you're not trying to do something that's really, really important, then you can sort of afford to, to, to fuck up and be trashy. And also, I think in order for it to work, you still have to do one thing right. Like when we talk about Hurry Sundown, the classic Michael Caine, Caine Jane Fonda <laughs> film that's like, oh my God, it's so bad. It's kind of amazingly good. There were still things that were done well in there. Right, right. And, and it was like, I'll give you, I'll go along and, and I'll sort of like suspension of disbelief and, and, and cling to context of what's, you know, and the intention and everything if you're doing something right. And somehow these two movies were doing at least one thing right at all times. And that's probably why I'm, I'm down with like movies like Them and The Creature from the Black Lagoon. I think Them okay. is, is even more a movie like this. Yeah, it is, but it's still a better movie. I mean, it's still much better than this, than either of these movies. It's just, a, say, just the writing is better. Yeah, just it's right, agreed. Just right there. And it has better stars and better directing. James Arness is in it, I think. But it's like, yeah, ultimately it's like, this is the consequence of nuclear war. Giant ants. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, it, does, it also has, by the way, besides yeah. James Arness, sorry to talk about them, but it has, um, we was with you. At Rigoletto. He's in the hospital. But yeah, I mean... It, Make me a charge and charge, and charge the booze. Yeah, and it's like, I'm, I'm not a person who wants to become part of the, the like the, a charter member of the shitty movie from the 50s club, but somehow, something in that era, I'm very forgiving about. And, yeah. uh, and that's why I, I, these movies... Um, Have you ever seen Forbidden Planet? Yeah. Walter Pigeon. Such a flawed, such a flawed, great movie of its time. Walter Pigeon is a great actor who was in Advice and Consent, by the way. Wow, wow. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, something about this era, it's like, maybe it's also because 
I, I, maybe there's a historical sense about it that 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 uh, is un, unfairly biases us in its favor. And it's like, yeah, World War Two happens. Everyone's glad to be alive. And so, like from 1950 to 1959, we get this grace period of movies that are like the daffodils are not are coming to get us. You know, or like whatever it is. You know, I think I think if I, if I, uh, if you put a gun to my head, and uh, I hmm. think there's a certain amount. Please, please do that, Joe. No, no, put it, take it away, Joe. Take it away. Uh, we're not even in the same room. Uh, but I think there's a certain um, guilelessness and effort going on at the same time. So yep. you have a supremely untalented uh, people who are fulfilling a craft rather than an actual role, and I think that's. Might be part of it. I don't know because there's no because they're not making a bad movie to make a bad movie. Like right now, that you you know, movies coming out now that are uh, you know that are that are irony based mm-hmm. are intended to be bad movies. They didn't have that at all. They just yeah. had guys who didn't know what the fuck they were doing, uh, doing it a bunch in movies. Yeah, and it's part of part of like the Ed Wood um, phenomenon, yeah, totally. right? Yeah, yeah. But but Ed Wood is a little bit different because it's it's got this extra layer. Ed Wood was insane. Right, yeah. and you know James Whale, I think, was a bit insane too. Although he wasn't making like as bad. I'm talking Frankenstein, the Frank, the right. Oh right, right, right. right. Um, but but Frankenstein has a bit of it too, frankly. Um, but Ed Wood was like insane. So there's a little bit of us that likes. It's the meta. It's like look what this crazy man kept trying to do. Glenn or Glenda, Plan Nine from Outer Space. And Fred right. Sears, I, I went into it in the perfect way for me to experience mm-hmm. movies like this, which is like just knowing nothing. I mean, the <laughs> fact that I thought it was going to be a mechanical claw was was perfect, and it was very like uh, fruitfully um, enjoyable. Fruitfully mm-hmm. enjoyable. Uh, I could be writing dialogue Jesus. for these films, frankly. What am I, Fred Jesus. Sears? Or something? Are, those, are those tea cookies that just appeared in front of you, Grandma? What the hell? Fruitfully enjoyable. Mm, tea cookies. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, Plan Night from Outer Space I, again. The, 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 the second my second viewing of it destroyed my whole nostalgia angle on it. But on reviewing it, yeah, it's pretty. It's harmless. It's not. It's 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 not. It's it's bad movie making essentially, but more or less by the numbers. But it's not. Uh, it's not painful to watch. Uh, and the and the parts that are painful kind of more than make up for the rest of it. But I don't think the we're the only. Is, the bird is worth a, worth the price of admission. I don't think we're the only movie nerds who give things context, right? So it's like, yes, the bird to me was like where it kind of fell apart. But it's like, you know, give it its own its own sort of like moment, right? But it's like nobody says that about about the about King Kong from 1933. Although King mm. Kong, the you know the ape monster, whatever you want to call it, King Kong himself was really no better than than the giant claw. I mean the. As a character. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. I was going to say, the physical manifestation is where the giant claw flies, so falls apart. Well, that's what I mean. I'm just talking about the character <laughs> of the giant claw bird and the character of King Kong himself. Right. You know, they're 25 years apart, and so I think we just have expectations. We give King Kong this massive pass from 1933 because it's ridiculous. Right, of course. We of get, course. By the way, I, for some... And, and by the way, the 1933 version of it is so much better than the one that came out like 10 years ago or something like that. Yeah, I guess you're probably right. I mean, I've seen it. I, I'd have to assess that. But I, I'm, you know, you and I would default to the 1933 version anyway, most, most <laughs> yeah. likely, right? But um, uh, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, also, I saw Frank. Uh, sorry, I guess we'll quit talking about other movies. But I saw Dracula, <laughs> the 1931 version, last year. Mm-hmm. That is almost unwatchable. And I'm down. Have you ever seen it? 
Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really dreadful, and Frankenstein is a, is better, for sure. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. I just watched Frankenstein, rewatched that a couple of days ago. Yeah. That's kind of shocking. I, I, I really, I, it's been so long since I've seen that movie that I was kind of like, hmm, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 I remember, like, I, I, I was touting to my roommate, like, when the lab stuff was about to go on, I was like, oh, this was amazing lab, and then it was Wait, like, what lab stuff? Exciting. Oh, when he's, when he's, yes, when he's yes, flipping sorry, on all sorry. of his equipment yeah, in the yeah, lab, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and it was. I mean, at the time, it was like the, it was the design that was used in every crazy scientist lab after that for decades. And I was watching it, going, "God, that's not what it's not as good as I remember it being." Well, there's all. also none of it was. It's easy to look back as like like um, amateur film historians, right? And 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 because even though we love classic film, to acknowledge that there are certain films that that should have been put on the back burner for a while and the one i always point to is 1984 with edmund o'brien like that's mm. it was made in 1954 and it's like no y- you didn't have the sophistication yeah. you didn't have the, the the freedom from censorship etc to really do that movie correctly even though i love edmund o'brien and i love movies from that era it's like that should have just waited until the 70s probably at least right to make a decent version of it yeah. but what's interesting what would be interesting and i don't even know if we have the foresight to do it on the spot right now because I'm not thinking of anything particular, is are there movies that are made now where you might say, you might be able to say, you know what, we should still, we don't have it. Whatever it is, I'm not even sure yet, we don't have it yet to make oh, that yeah, film. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm for sure, sure there are. Yeah, there definitely are. Any, yeah, anything by, uh, was it uh, Besson, what's his name, the French uh, director? The Fifth Element, all that stuff. Like, all of this stuff is like, needs another decade. Probably. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can think of him right off the bat. There was that movie. Um, was it the Game Over or Player? I don't remember. It was, it was a, a world of um, yeah, of AI, sort of a thing that came out like a couple of years ago by, from I think Spielberg. Yeah, that looked like that. That that got that needed to cook longer. Well, and I think there are novels, whether it's like Faulkner's As I Lay Dying or a, a, a book I like a lot. And, and some people recognize this, Nicole Krauss's uh, The History of Love, where, where it's like there's and Jonathan Safranfer, the same guy, same thing, where, where the writing is so sort of interesting. It's so so part of the process, so experimental mm-hmm. that it's like we rush to put it out in the film. And what we do end up doing is just cutting things away to make it um, cogent. Right, it's like right, you know, right. have some patience because their film technology or or th- thoughts about storytelling might come along in such a way that we can do the, the thing justice. And I think that's what was happening in, in in all of these time periods, except for the fifties, where I just think they were just like fuck it, you know. The we survived World War II and the Russians are about to get us. Let's just push movies out. Maybe <laughs> that's why I like literally. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, I, I I don't know about you, but I, I'm thinking we should put together a uh, GoFundMe. Uh, because I want now, I want to make a uh, an indie version of the giant claw when it's just a giant space claw coming out of the sky. Like the, it's sort of like those things in the Denny's um, lobby. Where yeah, Denny's yeah, yeah, yeah. But up. it's but it's but it's Mars is mad at us or something. We'll figure, mm. we'll have to work out the details later. Yeah, much like the screenwriters of this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, also like um, you know, the, it's interesting about about the uh, the night the world exploded. This <laughs> may be the greatest name for a movie ever. Is it's, I kept wow. thinking like it everything's kept, on the table. It kept posing questions about like getting people, and so did the giant claw actually getting people to adhere to the danger. And it's sort of like, well, that's clearly you could talk about the Cold War, but I started thought, thinking like, hmm, there's. It's speaking. It's here. I am. We are in the middle of this pandemic. 
We're in the middle of yes. like race riots. We're in all this sort of stuff in 2020. And it's like, hmm, these movies accidentally had a shelf life. <laughs> yeah. I particularly enjoyed in the giant claw that the teenagers in their drinks. Oh, <laughs> I love them in the jalopy. And they're like, God. You yeah, honestly got, I think, didn't they have like an actual raccoon tail coming off the like, front of that thing? I don't know, but our it's protagonist would warn him, get off the road, the giant, giant claw won't get us, you old bag. And like, we bought salt for its tail. <laughs> Literally said that. Oh, did they really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. Those teenagers were pretty fucking sassy, man, that's for sure. I just wonder where, where, where did the myth of putting salt in a bird's tail, like, where did that even come from? How does it even work? <laughs> One of the things we're talking about a lot in society is, I mean, we've been talking about for a while, but it's it's kind of taking center stage in some conversations is the lack of diversity in films. And here's an instance where these two films are good examples of where um, people of color really got let off the hook in a way <laughs> <laughs> by not being included. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, 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 I mean, I'm not. It would be too exhausting, and it would be forcing the issue for me to like make it a regular habit of going back to Fred Sears movies. But he, he's definitely someone I'll check out again because it's part of like, and I, I don't think I've ever used this word on on the podcast before. Part of the zeitgeist, um, in a in a strange way, and I, I um, I'm kind of thanks for turning me on to him. I never heard of this guy. Oh, sure, Fred absolutely. Sears. Giant claw. <laughs> yeah! I think it's worth <laughs> noting, by the way, just so I get it right, that it's not just um, Fred Sears, it's Fred F. Sears. F. Somehow Sears, that seems yes. important to me. Um, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, oh, you should uh, write uh, us, uh, uh, rate and review us on iTunes if you have that capacity. You know what else, by the way, people? This takes not that much effort, and I'd like to call on you listeners, um, the few regular listeners that we have. Use social media to share epi- like an episode you like and talk about it on social media because that's really it's a word of mouth thing. Um, if you have comments about anything, including movies you or movies or, or directors or actors you'd like us to, to take on, um, yeah, write us to uh, write us at finleysonfilm at gmail.com. Tommy, you have something to plug, I think. Yeah, TomSmithComedy.com. Go check it out. And, uh, yeah, this pretty much covers all the bases, lad. All right. We'll talk to you guys um, soon. Thanks, Tom. All right, man. Take care, Finn. Pow, zoom. <laughs>